0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Uh, A lot of news this past week. We got a huge Jalen Hurts contract this morning, which uh, I feel like Lamar Jackson's going to take a good, hard look at and say, well, can I ask for that much? Can I get as much as Jalen Hurts? I think that really helps. That Jalen Hurts contract really helps reset the quarterback market in a way. Um, obviously all this this big weekend of uh NBA playoffs. We had some great games. The Knicks looked great. The Suns lose game one in a in a shocking fashion. You know, Russell Westbrook really coming up clutch there at the end, even though he shot three and nineteen and was able to play so well and and help the the, uh, the Clippers win. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's a stud. But that's going to be a, a really interesting series, even without Paul George. Uh, Tyler Hero broke his hand. Giannis missed the entire game with a back injury. Um, the Celtics and Sixers look great. Warriors and Kings, as I said, was going to be my favorite series. Ended up being a, uh, an incredibly close game. And uh, I'm very excited for game two tonight. So we'll take a look at all of uh, the opening games for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I saw Air and the Super Mario Brothers movie, which was super fun. So we'll go over those two right now in the beginning of the pod, and then we'll get into all the sports and stuff. Um, And Stanton to the IL for the Yankees, which sucks. And uh, we called up Oswald Peraza. So hopefully the kid can kind of prove his worth here a little bit. Uh, with this this time he has up with the club. But first, a reminder that if you download the Underdog Fantasy app and use promo code Animal House, you will get 100% match deposit up to $100. It's quick and easy. There's a link in our Instagram account uh, in the bio, animalhouse.sports on Instagram. Um, or you can just download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code Uh, that it prompts you to enter Animal House in the beginning. Quick and easy, 100% match deposit, up to $100. So let's start with Air and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I really liked Air. I thought it was, you know, for for a movie like that, it's it's important to have great actors that crush their roles, and everyone did. You know, I know that's easy to say, but like, cause I feel like if, if every movie did that, every movie would be good. But you know, there's no action in this movie. the The plot is based on historical events. You know, A- everyone kind of knows about Michael Jordan and Nike and how big the short the Jordan brand is, right? But this story is. Uh, driven by the characters, and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, uh, Chris Tucker, they all do a fantastic job pushing this story forward. Um, Funny tidbit, before I went to go see this movie with my mother, who really likes, she likes um, sports movies. We saw Moneyball together when that came out also. Uh, So she's kind of into the sports movies. So she tells me before we go in, oh, do you know about like Steve Prefontaine? I think his first name Steve, but Prefontaine, the runner. And I was like, no, who's that? And she was like, oh, he was like an Olympic runner. He started wearing Nikes. And, you know, this guy was making him his Nike shoes in like his backyard or out of the back of his car. I was like, oh, Phil Knight, like the creator of Nike. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, oh, that's cool. Whatever. I, I don't know. I guess I was trying to explain to my mom what the movie was about and how Nike signed Michael Jordan and he became this huge deal. I just wanted to give her like a premise of the movie. She was like, Oh, okay, I I get that, whatever. And she brings up the pre- uh, Prefontaine, the runner. And I was like, Yeah, well, Nike was a, a running company and stuff, blah, blah, blah. The first shot of the movie is Matt Damon walking the halls of Nike HQ and he walks past like a mural of Prefontaine running. And she, we were in the movies because this was at like four o'clock in the afternoon, no one was there. Literally, the entire theater to ourselves, so she goes, Oh my God, like that's that's pretty mundane. that's exactly what I was talking about in the car. That's crazy, like the first shot of the movie. So she got all excited about that. It was pretty funny, but uh yeah, the movie was really good. Um all of that without showing the face of Michael Jordan was pretty impressive. Viola Davis was excellent. Uh, Matt Damon was excellent. and it was great. like they really. Covered it the entire time about how... Oh, Jason Bateman's in it. Jason Bateman was great as well. So, could definitely be an Oscar-worthy movie. Um, the cool... A really cool bit about the production of this movie that came out that I, I love talking about. I posted... like I saw it on TikTok and I saw a clip of it um, a couple other places. But Ben Affleck... So, with movies, sometimes people will write screenplays and then they'll... You know, sell it off to someone else, and then they'll make make it their own, and 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 you know, chop things up and edit pieces of the screenplay that they like and they don't like, blah blah blah, dialogue, stuff like that. Uh, and then the person who kind of wrote the outline will get partial writing credit. So the story of this came from a guy who I guess was an aspiring screenwriter. He, his name's Alex Convery. Um, but I, I guess this guy was inspired uh, by *The Last Dance* to write this screenplay about how Nike signed Michael Jordan, and he writes this like outline screenplay. And I guess uh, Ben Affleck gets a hold of it. Whatever he wants to direct it. People chop it up. They they edit it and stuff. But at the end of it all, Ben Affleck tells. Alex that he's getting sole writing credit for the screenplay which is something that again doesn't happen. Usually if you write like a screenplay that ends up getting bought by a studio or whatever like you'll get partial writing credit and that's the end of it. But Ben Affleck says, "Listen, it's a it's your idea, it was your screenplay. Like, yeah, we fixed we you know, we changed things and we fixed it up and we made it how we wanted to make it, but at the end of the day it was your idea, it was your creativity. Like, we're going to give you sole writing credit." And that's like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, you know, paying it forward because Ben Affleck di- directed this movie, Damon starred in it, but they were like, we got our break with Goodwill Hunting. You know, this could be your break as a screenwriter and and, and getting into movies and production and stuff. So we're going to give you soul writing credit. So I thought that was really cool. And I had that real, I had heard about that um, previously before seeing the movie. so. I had that in the back of my mind when I was watching this, and that was, that was pretty cool. That Ben Affleck did it. Ben Affleck's always been a solid dude. Him and Matt Damon, it their their friendships, just really cool. I really appreciate uh, how they make movies and stuff, and and when they do movies together, it's always fun. So, yeah, uh, Air was excellent. I mean, you know, they were thrown around all these names and stuff, and like, oh, we're gonna sign so-and-so, we're gonna sign so-and-so. <laughs> they're like, what about Stockton? And they're like, do you even know where Gonzaga is? <laughs> and <laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny as well. Um, so they they risked it all on Michael Jordan, their entire budget, and what people don't know that they really hammer home in this movie is that Nike was doing well. You know, Nike was a, a good company that you know, they sold a lot of product, they sold a lot of shoes, they sold clothing and apparel and stuff like that. But they were primarily for runners. Uh, like all their shoes were running shoes. And that's basically where their revenue came from was their running shoes. And Chris Tucker, his character talks about, you know, uh, black people don't like running, (laughs) you know, running sucks. Uh, we don't have a a grip on basketball and Nike's basketball division was pretty weak. And they'd go out and they sign, you know, immediately like Jason Bateman, he goes out with his pitch and he's like, well, we're not signing any of the top three guys because the top two are going to converse, uh, which were Elijah Wan and, uh, Sam Bowie. They're going to converse. And then Jordan's going to Adidas. He's an Adidas guy. He's always wanted to wear Adidas. He always wears Adidas. He loves their track suits, yada, yada. And then, yeah, Matt Damon playing uh, Sonny Vaccaro. He goes out and he basically tells um, Dolores Jordan, who's played by Viola Davis, how each of the meetings are gonna go, and if he's right, you gotta take a a meeting with us at Nike. He's right. She takes the meeting. They uh they blow him away. And what they really revolutionized was the fact that Michael Jordan now shared. Uh well, I, I don't know I actually don't know. I would imagine this is true. Like I don't know why they would fabricate this or why Michael Jordan would fabricate this. I'm I'm sure this is exactly how it happened. But Michael Jordan's mother is the one that requested that Michael get a percentage shared revenue of the shoes of Jordan shoes sold. And he was like one of the first ones, he was the first basketball player to ever get that. Um In his contract, and then obviously, you know, uh, Nike's whole pitch was like, "You're not going to be, you know, a Converse player or an Adidas player just wearing one of their shoes. You are going to be the shoe. Like the shoe line is going to be based around you, and it's going to be your signature shoe and all that." Which is now obviously a a mainstay in all of uh, basketball. You know, every every signature. There are athletes that sign with Nike and Adidas and, and Under Armour or whatever, New Balance now, who they wear their they're, they're, they are an athlete of that company and they wear the shoes. But then you have the signature athletes of these companies like LeBron, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden for Adidas, right? Damian Lillard for Adidas. These signature athletes that get their own signature shoe and i'm sure also now share in the revenue of those shoes sold which michael jordan and nike really founded doing so that was revolutionary of course and a funny line that ben affleck as phil knight has at the end of the movie is uh what's the most we ever sold for a shoe three million and you know the graphic pops up on the screen The Air Jordan 1 sold $165 million worth of shoes in its first year, (laughs) which is like, obviously the most successful selling shoe that they ever had up until that point. Uh, So it it just, it changed, completely changed the game. And you know how sports, sports movies are at the end. They always pop up with the the graphics that, you know, come up on the screen and give you facts. So they had that one about the Jordan total sales uh, in its first year. They had the fact Nike bought Converse, who Converse for basically the entirety the entirety of the NBA up until the 90s was the shoe of the NBA. Everybody wore Converse. That the Converse All Star was the shoe of the NBA, uh, and then you know they basically went bankrupt. I think more or less they lost their entire grip on the basketball world, but from uh, Nike and even Adidas really stayed in it for a long time. So, uh, Nike bought Converse in 1996 and Jordan, Michael Jordan makes $400 million in passive income per year from the sales of his sneakers, which is just mind blowing money. Passive income doesn't have to lift a finger, so that's pretty sick. He still does that. I mean, everyone knows Jordan, Michael Jordan himself. He has made shit. I might be exaggerating, but like he's made like triple the amount of money from his shoes than he ever made in his basketball career. Like the dude, you know, his basketball career earning career earnings is. I mean, he's worth a billion dollars now, so... But it's, like, chump change. Chump change. You can throw away all the money he made in his basketball career, and he'd still be worth a billion dollars. You know? that, Like, that's how successful everything else he's been involved in has been. You know, outside of being a, a winning team in ownership, you know? He, this, the, the Hornets stink, but... Uh yeah, he's he's just been very successful in all his endeavors. His shoes are obviously the the main thing that like the the entire it's not even his shoes anymore. Now it's just the brand, the entire Jordan brand. You know, it, it, he has the shoes, he has the apparel. They they sponsor certain teams, right? Like obviously Nike makes the the NBA uniforms, but because Jordan is a subsidiary of Nike, like he throw he slaps the Jordan logo on it. Um, I've, Let me look up his name real quick because they talk about um, the guy who created the Jordan 1 uh, and who created the Jordan silhouette logo for the Jordan brand. He passed away right before the airing of um, the movie. I want to, where is his name? I'm trying to find it. Uh, Peter Moore. Matthew Marr plays him, but Peter Moore is the one who, you know, he designed the Jordan. He's credited in the movie for giving the Jordan the name Air Jordan for the shoe line. Um, And then after the dunk contest with Jordan and his gold chain, you know, the, you know, the one, the poster from the dunk contest where he's dunking the basketball and it's literally the Jordan logo, more or less. Uh, tongue out gold chain during the dunk contest that he wins that image is what was I guess I would imagine inspired him for the Air Jordan logo so just really cool facts like that um if you're if you're a basketball fan it's a great movie if you're not a basketball fan it's still a good like not a biopic but it, it's a good like true story movie where It's just, it's solid writing, good dialogue, solid, like really, really solid acting, good directing by Ben Affleck, um, just a really good job, again, all without actually having someone play Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan has one line in the movie, and I think it's, it's over the phone, (laughs) like, he doesn't, he doesn't talk, they don't show his face, they block him out in really creative ways, um, Yeah, really good movie. I really enjoyed it. The other movie I saw this past week was the Super Mario Brothers movie. I went with my girlfriend. Very fun movie. If you look up the critic score, I think the Rotten Tomato score is like in the fifties, but the audience score is in the nineties. And if you're a critic that goes in there and you're like, I don't know, it's just not, it's not a great movie. Like you're you're a loser. (laughs) Like you're, you're if you go into that movie and you don't have a good time, you are you're just a a sourpuss. You're just a grumpy old person, uh, and who who doesn't know how to have fun? That's that's literally how I'm gonna think of you if you really don't enjoy this movie. It's it's super fun, and you can tell Nintendo did a they they wanted to do a really good job with this because I, I I'm gonna go as far as say the Sonic movie inspired them to make this movie first of all because Sega came out with the two Sonic movies. And they made a ton of money. People really like, Like fans of Sonic really liked both movies. There's going to be a third Sonic movie with Shadow. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. And you know they came out with that first trailer. Sonic looked like shit. The fan base revolted and were like you need to fix this. And they did. And the studio went back in. You know, and, and they, they fixed everything. And, and Sonic looked great. And the movie was good. The second movie was good. Tails, Knuckles, like they brought the crew in. It was awesome, right? It, it, Jim Carrey, obviously fantastic as Dr. Eggman in that movie. But uh, Dr. Robotnik, excuse me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, those movies are awesome. So Nintendo said, okay, how are we going to make this mario without feeling like we're doing like a sonic bit and something i didn't really understand that they were going to go the direction they were going to go in this movie until i actually saw it was that it's based in the real world and then they get like teleported to mushroom kingdom uh and because they're they're literally just an italian american brothers who start their own plumbing company They have this Italian family where they're sitting down to eat dinner. They're living at home, which is, like, it's perfect the way they did that, honestly. Uh, And then, you know, Brooklyn's, like, flooding. There's a mass flood. Mario's like, oh, we're going to save Brooklyn. They go underground. Um, They fall down, like, a little bit, and they get thrown into this abandoned, like, i guess aqueduct system with all these pipes and tubes and it's like an abandoned part of the underground system like plumbing system for brooklyn basically and uh they find one of the green tubes that mario is so famous for shooting down right they get sucked in they get separated in their travels luigi ends up going to which is uh it's basically luigi's haunted mansion Mario goes to Mushroom Kingdom and meets Princess Peach. And the entire movie is basically Mario going around trying to not only save Mushroom Kingdom and Princess Peach from Bowser, but also to reunite with Luigi, who they really hammer home Luigi's a coward in this movie. And Mario is like the older brother who's super good at everything and just naturally gifted at everything and can do a bunch of stuff fairly quickly. They write in. You know, the power-ups really well in, in this movie. It's just the power-ups are the power-ups. Like, you can use them. It's just... It's a mainstay in this universe. Uh, every every scene and, uh, and environment that they do is... If you heard that ping, I just got a message on my laptop. Sorry about that. But every scene that they do is an homage or reference to a Mario game, whether it's Luigi's Haunted Mansion, Super Mario Kart, uh, Super Mario Bros, right? They have uh, Super Smash Bros, uh, Donkey Kong Country. They have all these references, uh, and they're actually showing it in one of the TV spots now. One thing that I really, really enjoyed was at the end of the movie, Mario and DK teaming up, Don- I also, they made the Kongs Jewish, which is so funny, bro. Because so Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, but uh, Fred Armisen is uh, Cranky Kong, Donkey Kong's dad, who just has the long white beard. Sounds really, <laughs> he just sounds Jewish. I'm sorry, they 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 really really do. Um, and but with uh, Keegan Michael Key's good as Toad, also, but. At the end, Donkey Kong and Mario team up to go, and uh, they they find their way back to Mushroom Kingdom, and they have to, you know, fight through all these all of Bowser's minions and obstacles and stuff. They're basically running a Mario level together, but it's a really cool moment because what uh, you know a lot of people don't realize is Mario's first appearance was in Donkey Kong, uh, in 1981 nintendo's arcade game donkey kong uh mario was referenced in that game just as like a random side character people thought he was really a a cool design and a fun player or a fun character and nintendo gave him his entire spinoff line of games that they made with him and the rest is history obviously he is their number one breadwinner uh mario always 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 wins he's one of the one, I, I would probably say the single most popular video game character of all time. Like, he's, he's certainly up there. Uh, I'm not, like, I, I would say he's number one. Just because little kids know Mario. I know Mario. My parents know Mario. My grandparents know Mario. Like, he's been around forever. Um, obviously not forever, since 1981. But, super, just the popularity spans, you know decades right just a super popular character so i would say mario is definitely up there um but they have that like moment for donkey kong and mario because without donkey kong there is no mario so to have them team up at the end there in that moment was really really fun um their battle in um on kong island is basically just a super smash bros map which was cool uh, and they had power ups there. Then they have uh, Rainbow Road that they're driving on with, uh, so that's a Mario Kart reference. They have the blue shell that takes them out. Super cool. Again, just a lot of moments like that where, you know, they are able to integrate all the games and the the abilities and iterations of Mario that he has gone through and the games have gone through. They were able to kind of integrate all of that into this movie. And then also on top of it, the biggest gripe that fans had was like, oh my God, Chris Pratt's just sounding like Chris Pratt playing Mario. He did have a slight accent throughout the movie, but the main shtick is the first scene of the movie is a commercial for the Super Mario Brothers Plumbing Company with Mario and Luigi and Charlie Day, who plays Luigi, and Chris Pratt are doing flawless voices for Mario and Luigi. And they, you know pan out from the commercial and show Mario and Luigi and they start talking like normal and they're like, you don't think the accents were a little bit too much? And you know, it's a direct pointing at the, at the fans and the audience and saying, Haha, remember when you thought Chris Pratt couldn't do a Mario voice? Turns out he absolutely can, but we chose not to go that route because it would be annoying to have Mario speak like that the entire movie. Uh good directional choice in my opinion like it worked out i thought chris pratt was good as mario I, I don't really have any like i really don't have any complaints about this movie it was just a good light-hearted fun movie same way i feel the same way about this movie the same way i felt about the sonic movies i didn't think they did a disservice to any of the characters really um They, I mean, Jack Black, I haven't even mentioned him yet, but Jack Black stole the show as Bowser. Just absolutely sensational. Um, Peaches, his song, it's on Apple Music. Please listen to it. It is so funny. It's not in its entirety in the movie. They have part of it in the movie, and then the other half of it is in the end credit scenes. But just a, a hilarious song. Jack Black kills it as Bowser, and you gotta think he'll be back as as a evil uh, you know opponent who's just trying to get peach back you know cuz they, they definitely have that obsession with Bowser and Peach there so he'll be back at some point i would imagine Wario and Lu- and Waluigi are going to be uh, antagonists in a movie maybe the next one maybe the third one whatever it is i th- they're definitely gonna milk this franchise for what it's worth just like they are with sonic um yo uh after credit scene there's a yoshi egg down in like uh, the depths of the brooklyn where because at the end of the movie mushroom kingdom gets pulled into brooklyn because there's an explosion uh in the uh in the green tubes or whatever and Mario and Luigi save the day. They become world-renowned plumbers or whatever. They get super famous for saving Brooklyn. Whatever. Uh, and using the star when they get the star power-up to defeat Bowser. Very dope. I really like that. A uh, whole sequence with Luigi finally getting over his cowardice. Super cool. Um, yeah, they just they were able to use all the characters really well. Uh, what else? there's, you know, with the second movie, there's gonna be Yoshi in it, confirmed, but yeah, like I said, I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll get Wario and Waluigi in there as antagonists, and just in general, they got a lot of different, you know, adventures and stuff they can send Mario on, I'm sure if they, uh, involve, like, the Odyssey games and stuff like that, I don't know. they just have different options they can go in and, and stuff like that, so it, it'll be fun, fun, fun movies ahead, and like I said, I, I treated the same way as Sonic. They didn't disrespect the characters. They made it fun, lighthearted. Like, that's all I can ask from these movies. You know, you're not going to get cinematic masterpieces, but as long as you go into the theater and you have a good time, the movie's solid, in my opinion. Anything deeper than that, you're just being a stick in the mud. All right. So we got uh, a bit of football and then baseball news, and then we'll get into basketball, wrap up the podcast. First, Jalen Hurts resetting the quarterback market. Finally, so now guys like Lamar Jackson who have been asking for outrageous amount of money because of Deshaun Watson, they're going to look at that now and say, "Okay, well this is much more reasonable. This we can give something to you like, all right?" Uh he reached Jalen Hurts reached with the Eagles a 5-year, 255 million dollar extension, including 179.304 million guaranteed. Uh Hurts becomes the highest paid player in NFL history with 51 million annually um yeah so jalen hurts 51 million annually he jumps aaron Rodgers, who was at 49 million uh and then you know that patrick mahomes contract people just look back at that and they're like wow the patrick mahomes deal with the chiefs was a bargain sale, bro. Like he they they got off so team friendly with that deal with what these other quarterbacks getting. So now everyone is pointing to uh Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert and uh Joe Burrow as the next three guys up to get three next three quarterbacks up to get big contracts. We'll see what they get. I would imagine Joe Burrow should get the most out of all of them, but we'll see. Um, Lamar Jackson, honestly, he's lucky if he gets Jalen Hurts money because Jalen Hurts, I know Lamar is an MVP, but Jalen Hurts has has had a better playoff run than Lamar Jackson ever has. So (laughs) my friend goes, Jalen Hurts played better in the second half of the Super Bowl than Lamar Jackson did, has his entire playoff career, which I was like, oh my God, that was mean. But... (laughs) It was uh it was funny, to be fair. So yeah, huge contract with Jalen Hurts. Also, no trade clause, which is the first no trade clause that I guess Philly uh the Eagles, Philly has ever given out. So that just shows they got a lot of trust in Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he definitely still has some room to grow as a passer. You know, sometimes last year he was a tad inconsistent, but like overall just an astronomical leap in, in accuracy and and being in accuracy. Not inaccuracy. In accuracy. So he's just he was, I mean, obviously a sensational jump last year that he made. Um probably would have won MVP if he uh if he didn't get injured and miss whatever it was, three games at the end of the season. Probably would have won MVP. But second team all pro. Um Led his team easily to the Super Bowl, where you know they almost won, got pretty damn close, about as close as you could possibly get. So, just definitely a well-deserved contract. Um, Eagles didn't really have a have a have a choice here. It's not like Jalen Hurts was making a stink about it, and or people in general were making a stink about it. Like, oh, pay Jalen Hurts, pay Jalen Hurts, pay Jalen Hurts Um, because he was still under contract for his rookie deal, but the Eagles clearly made him their priority, you know, and they're paying him a lot of money, but it doesn't completely lock them up uh, for the team in the future, so just a a good deal, well-deserved for Jalen Hurts, congratulations to him, I'm not looking forward to the fact that the Giants are going to have to get their asses whooped every year by the Eagles, but Maybe we'll be able to sneak out a win in the future. I, I I don't know. We'll see what happens with Saquon Barkley and Dexter Lawrence, who are holding out for new contracts. Saquon wants a long-term deal because he doesn't want to play on the franchise tag, and Dexter Lawrence just wants a contract extension. Um, if I had to guess, Dexter Lawrence is probably going to get paid before Saquon Barkley because signing a premier interior defensive lineman is an easier decision than giving a long-term contract to a running back. Uh, but given what Saquon wants, he wanted Christian McCaffrey money. The Giants didn't offer him that. They offered him less. But now you look at the running back, free agent running back class. Well, like, what, what, is, what is Saquon going to get? Because, like, the free agent running back class, not like people were shelling out, lining up to shell out money to free, these free agent running backs. And there was a lot of them. So uh, if Saquon, he's holding out right now with the optional workouts, He doesn't want to say, you know, he's not going to sign the tag yet. By July, like first weekend of July, if Saquon doesn't sign the franchise or if they don't come to a long term agreement, Saquon will be playing on the franchise tag for a hair over $10 million. And, you know, he's not going to be the one to hold out for the entire year because he wants a new contract. He's not stupid. He's not Le'Veon Bell, right? So he'll play under the franchise tag. but. Joe Shane, what's encouraging is that GM Joe Shane and the Giants and Saquon have both been vocal to the media that they want to, they each want to work out a long-term deal to keep uh, Saquon in Giants blue. So that's important as well. Um, And then Dexter Lawrence, I'm sure, you know, just a a monetary issue. Just find a comfortable, they definitely want to resign Dexter Lawrence. He's a beast. So, yeah. That's the bit of football news, Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm sure Lamar Jackson, now the Ravens, they'll be able to go. And, and, and that's like a new president that's sent. Like, listen, this guy, best he was uh, a top two quarterback last year on the best team in football that went to the Super Bowl. And they almost won. And they cruised to the Super Bowl. They slaughtered everybody. He got paid this much. And he was second team All-Pro. Could have won MVP. We can give you something similar to that. And the yearly, the yearly monetary value is not has not been an issue for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens offered him like, you know, $50 million a year, but they only offered him $130 million guaranteed. Again, it's the, always about the guaranteed money. So uh, Jalen Hurts just got a, a touch under $180 million guaranteed, uh, but he's making 51 a year, five-year deal. Like, he's chilling. Uh, on the Diamond baseball news, bad news for the Yankees, just more of the same with injuries. Giancarlo Stanton out four to six weeks. He's expected to return um, midseason from a hamstring strain. Timeline may be extended given injury history. That is via the athletic. So brutal. Brutal news for the Yankees. Obviously, their pitching rotation's already banged up. Garrett Cole threw a masterpiece against the Twins the other day. Uh, nine innings of shutout ball. But it's, uh, I mean, yeah, again, just the injuries are piling up. And what did I, I said in the beginning of the season, first guy that goes down, that's a, play, a position player, first guy that goes down with an injury, they are going to bring up Oswald, Peraza, um, the bad thing is Boone kind of already said that when Josh Donaldson comes back off the IL, they're going to send Peraza back down, which I hate because obviously I hate Josh Donaldson, but they don't really have a choice. So Peraza is going to get a chance to, you know, get some, get some work in the big leagues. He's, I think he's done pretty well so far in the minors. Um, Brett Beatty also, he was tearing it up in the minors. Shockingly, to a lot of Mets fans' dismay, he got uh, assigned to AAA in spring training and then um Eduardo Escobar I almost forgot his name Eduardo Escobar was given the third baseman job again just he had been the third baseman that last year some people thought Beatty could beat him out and Beatty certainly played well in spring training and he'd been tearing it up in AAA so they finally called him up so Beatty will get a crack at it in the majors Peraza will get a crack at it in the majors um Peraza is gonna have it's gonna be a tough year for Peraza. Cause he's going to be up and down, I would imagine, quite a bit from AAA to the big leagues, and that wears on you, man. You know, getting we saw what happened, how it happened to Miguel Andujar. What happened to him? You know, he had a sensational rookie year, and uh, just he was never the same since. Cause he get, he kept getting optioned, and that takes a toll on you when you're uh, when you're a young player like that, going back and forth, traveling between cities, never knowing when you're going to get that call. If that call is ever going to come and then it comes and then you got to, you know, go into the office and they send you back down again for a guy that may not. You you probably are better than, you know, some, in, in a lot of cases, but they don't have minor league options because they're a veteran. It's, it's very uh, frustrating, I imagine, for them. Um, so Oswald Peraza, he will get a crack at it as soon as some of these older guys are gone. Like, there's no way Josh Donaldson's on this team past this year. Um, Hell, he might just retire outright, but Peraza's got to get a crack at it. He's got to get some type of... While he's up, he should get some playing time. That's all I'm saying. While he's up. I don't know what his third base capabilities are. I hope they are some... I would love to see him at third base. I would. He's a, he's a good shortstop, but I'd like to see him at third base because he'd probably be a really good third baseman as well. So that's the uh, the Yankees news. Four to six weeks for Stanton. Brutal loss, obviously. You know the bats are doing all right. Scoring runs isn't really the issue. It's been starting pitching and their makeshift starting rotation. Who I, you're holding your breath breath basically when it's anyone but. Garrett Cole, so I, I, I just don't know. Scary, scary times here, especially because the Rays seemingly they just can't lose. And they didn't they didn't lose for 13 straight games, but uh, they got off to a blistering hot start, so that's not great. And they're just they're good. They're just a solid ball club. They put the ball in play. They get on base. They got good pitching. They just called up now this kid from the minors who's a stud. Oh, my God. And they do they do it all with, like, a bottom five budget in baseball. It's just so frustrating because they're a bottom five budgeted baseball team and they're a top five talented baseball team. For the past 10 years, it's been like this. Incredibly frustrating as a Yankees fan, obviously, because they spend big and then injuries, man. It's just injuries, injuries, injuries. Sucks. All right, let's roll into... The first weekend of the NBA playoffs, uh, for those of you who weren't keeping up with the playing tournaments, uh, the Lakers beat the Timberwolves, and then the Timberwolves beat the Thunder, so they are now playing the Nuggets, and the Hawks beat the Heat, and then the Heat beat the Bulls, so the Hawks are playing the Celtics, and the Heat are playing the Bucks. The Heat somehow, I mean, they, they might have locked out here, I don't, I don't know, but let's start with my New York Knicks unbelievable win against cleveland they were underdogs plus five and a half spread and just money line underdogs the first game in cleveland now they're favorites in game two the second game still in cleveland but the knicks are favorite um they closed the they or they i should say they widened the gap towards the end of the game Made some big shots. Jalen Brunson made some huge shots. Josh Hart had a clutch three. Just good defense. Out-rebounded the Cavs significantly. I think, by maybe like 15 or so rebounds. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was a demon on the offensive glass. They just got big buckets. Julius Randle coming back. First game he hasn't played in like a month with that, uh, that ankle injury. And he, he's been playing. He played really well. R.J. Barrett played the worst. He did not shoot well at all. Uh, but the defense for the Knicks was really good outside of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was eating. He had, I think, 38 points he ended with. He hit like six or seven three-pointers. Um, he was the only one who was really able to score. Uh, Darius Garland didn't do much. Mobley didn't do much. Jared Allen didn't do much. So the Knicks were really able to limit everyone on the Cavs. And then Donovan Mitchell was able to just score the basketball, but it obviously wasn't enough. Knicks played a fantastic brand of basketball, just high energy, hard, hard earned win to steal home court advantage and win Game One in Cleveland. Hell, they might win Game Two in Cleveland. Uh, I think this series is going to be really. Each game is going to be close, but like, I'm not. I'm not going to say anything. But I'm not going. I'm not going to be one of these guys. Uh, these guys, you know, Knicks in four or anything like that. But the Knicks have a real good shot to win this series. Uh, I did put a future on them to win this series, just a few bucks, nothing big. But they were, you know, underdogs to win the series. I think plus like one seventy something or something like that, one fifty 150 one fifty four. I think it was. Um, so underdogs to win the series. I threw money on them. I'm feeling good. Uh, I, I think now that Randall be- Randall is back. Honestly, I, I leading up last week, leading up to that series, I was talking about. I, I wasn't sure if Randall was going to play. I really wasn't. This whole off week was just fantastic for them, and then to the play on Saturday, it's announced Randall's going to play, and he has a good, he has a great impact on the Knicks. And I, I just feel real confident. Josh Hart is a demon. Josh Hart is a demon, bro. I I love Josh Hart. I cannot wait for the Knicks to resign him. Jalen Brunson is a dog. Every, every game, every big game that I watch the Knicks play with Jalen Brunson, like down to the wire, right? Need a bucket. Jalen Brunson's delivered. It, and it, it still blows my mind that this dude essentially peaked in the playoffs last year and has not come down. Like his, he was playing Such a high level, like he was. It felt like he was playing at his ceiling in the playoffs last year, and now that's just how he plays every night. Nobody outside of Jalen Brunson and maybe his mom and dad (laughs) knew that Jalen Brunson was this good of a basketball player. I'm sorry, like if you looked me in the eye and said, Yeah, that Jalen Brunson he's definitely going to live up to this contract, I'd say you're a liar. Like being optimistic is one thing, but just flat out being like, I know ball and I know Jalen Brunson's going to perform to the level of this contract that he's about to get, regardless if it was for the Knicks or not. Someone was offering him that kind of contract and ended up being the Knicks. But I don't, I'm not sure anyone thought he could live up to that contract or play the way he's been playing at such a consistent level. He balls out every single time he's on the court. He's their closer. He's the best player on that team. He's a great leader. He's a great locker room guy. His teammates love him. Like, just nothing more you could ask for from Jalen Brunson. He just does it all, man. And, and to take it upon uh, his back there and, and, to, and to get some clutch buckets at the end of the game. Oh, my God. I, I can't say enough. About Jalen Brunson. The only blemish I have on that first game is RJ Barrett needs to be better. I I know sometimes the shots don't fall and that's okay, but he needs he needs to be better. He was like it felt like he was getting stripped every single time he he had the ball. He just it wasn't great. It was not a great performance from RJ. But regardless, the Knicks get out to a huge one-nothing series lead over the over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And listen, man, if if that is uh, if that is what the Knicks have to do this entire series, just contain everyone else, smother everyone else, and let Donovan Mitchell score all the points and try to win the game by himself, I'm okay with that. I'm not sure the Knicks are going to out-rebound the Cavs as badly as they did every single game because Mobley and Jared Allen are very good rebounders, but hell, they they got a shot they got a shot. It was, it was a great game. Um, some breaking news here. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that the Ravens have offered Lamar Jackson a deal that includes $200 million in guaranteed money, which would be uh, the second most in the NFL behind Deshaun Watson. I guess, like I said, that, that precedent with Jalen Hurts and his contract, they look at that and they said, well, is Lamar... Is Lamar's, basically what you're saying is Jalen Hurts got 179.3 in guaranteed millions of dollars. Is Lamar's MVP that he has over Hurts worth 20 million extra dollars? I guess so. Now Lamar would be a fool to turn this down. Lamar Jackson would be a flat out fool to turn this down. uh, And like, it's, yeah. That, that, that's, that's on him at this point. He, he, is a fool if he turns that down, down that contract of 200 million guaranteed. I don't care what the yearly average is. Like, you wanted more guaranteed money and you got it. That's apparently, you know, that's it. So I, I you gotta take that. Anyway, back to the NBA. Great win for the Knicks. Very excited for game two on Tuesday. Uh, the Suns last night. I'm going out of order here by the games. I just just have what I've written down, but uh the well, actually let's 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 back up the Sixers, I think the Sixers and Celtics, those first two games on Saturday blowouts, uh Mikhail Bridges balled out. I'd be hard pressed to say that the Nets or the Hawks have a chance of winning anything more than one singular game in this in these two series. Uh, I think the Celtics and Sixers, like they are just, they're two of the better teams in the entire NBA, two of the best teams in the entire NBA. So I just, they're going to go. They're going to They're going to, I think they're going to steamroll both these teams. They could squeak out one win each maximum, but that's, that's about it. That's, that's how these series go. I think the, I think the Nets will squeeze out a win at home. I think the Hawks are going to get swept. I think, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to give it to Trey Young in ways he's never experienced before. And the Celtics are going to steamroll the Nets. I mean, sorry, the Hawks. Uh, and the Nets, they might be, I mean, they're good enough on defense where they could maybe catch Harden or, or Tobias Harris or whoever else is trying to score on a bad night. And it could be one of those nights for the Sixers where it's like Joel Embiid's the only one who can, who can do anything. And then, you know, the Nets click on offense and they, they steal a the game. And that's about it. Like, I, I don't see the Nets winning more than one game either. So those series will be pretty pretty quick. Um, and then the third game on Saturday was Knicks, the, the Knicks and Cavs. And then the night game, Kings and Warriors. I said it last week. This is my most anticipated, uh, outside of the Knicks, my most anticipated playoff series. What a first game we got. 38 points from De'Aaron Fox. The, uh, the Kings win a game and they light the beam down to the wire uh, in Sacramento to win game one. The Warriors, obviously, notoriously, they got Andrew Wiggins back, but they have notoriously been bad, really astronomically bad, on the road this year. I, I Going into game two, which is tonight, Monday night, I expect Steph Curry to kind of go nuclear um, and, and at least try to single-handedly will the warriors to a win on the road that way they don't go back to golden state um down to nothing that would that would suck for them uh but yeah i mean the kings listen darren fox balled out Patre Lyles and malik monk scored like 40 plus points combined off the bench which was really the turning point because it was a th- i think a three-point game at the end 126 123 kings win And the Kings kind of had control the entire game, obviously then down to the wire. The Warriors, like, it's tough for that team, like the Kings, right? You're controlling the entire game. Seems like you got a pulse on what's going on. But in a playoff game, down to the wire, final couple possessions to decide who wins and who loses. Multiple-time championship Golden State Warriors. That's a game that they win a lot of times. So for the kings to keep their composure, make the shots they have to make, make their free throws, whatever it is, to keep their composure and to keep the lead and to play good defense, to preserve that and, and get the W, that's big for them, even though they're at home, right? That's big for them because they don't have that playoff experience. Um, first time in 16 years, Sacramento's had a playoff, a home playoff game and they won, so uh, a, very happy for the tried and true Sacramento Kings fans, the ones who have been there and didn't jump ship to go and be a Golden State Warriors fan, the ones who stayed as a Sacramento Kings fan this entire time through all the downs that they've had and to have De'Aaron Fox leading the charge, I love it. De'Aaron Fox is my guy. Um, It's just, it's so great to see these young kids who I had so much faith in pan out. I feel like an NBA executive. (laughs) Like I really do. Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, Brandon Ingram. Like these are the guys. I love these dudes. They're great. Um, So very happy for De'Aaron Fox. That's my dude. And he balled out 38 points. Steph had 30. He was leading uh, scorer for Golden State. But it, it's going to be a tough series. I mean, again, these are two really highly efficient offenses. And then on one end, you got a great... You have the, the Kings, who have all year been solid. Great offensive team. Good defensive team. Well coached with Mike Brown. De'Aaron Fox is a superstar. Sabonis is a star. Like, they got the pieces. They have a good bench. Um... Also Harrison Barnes versus the Warriors I feel like this narrative has been swept under the rug usually the media eats that kind of stuff up but Barnes is going against the Warriors man that's he was with that core for two championship runs win one won one lost one but he was there as, at the beginning of that dynasty so and with the Warriors on the other so you have them the Kings on one end and the Warriors obviously defending champs four time core that they have there where they won four championships um Tested battled battle hardened team against a, a young super fast-paced team in the Kings. It's it's a matchup. It is a it is a tough, tough matchup on both ends, obviously, for both those reasons. So I love this this series. Kings up one nothing. Um I I I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I it's hard for I'm a betting man. Can't even say if I was a betting man. I am a gambling man. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings won, but I'm not betting on the Warriors. It's one of those things. You wouldn't be surprised if the Kings won, but you're not betting against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors to go down 2-0 or 0-2. You're not betting on that. It's, it's not like, oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm betting on the Kings to win. No, you're not betting on the Kings to win. You're betting on the Warriors to go down 0-2 which sounds a lot worse as a bet, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I I would, I put in Fox and Curry to have 30-plus each tonight. They had 30-plus the first game. I'm doing it again. Um, I think Curry probably goes—he might go for 40-plus. I think Curry's going to start launching them tonight. Um, but I'm very excited for this series overall. Going to be the most fun one altogether. Uh, the Sunday games— Barkley was yapping about how the Sunday game started late. I tend to agree with him. I mean, you had the whole day for four games and you started at 3.30, whereas Saturday you went from 1 to 8.30, and then it was done. Now for this, Sunday, you start late, you end late. You know? And and uh the, the Suns Clippers game ran long. Nuggets and uh the Nuggets and Timberwolves didn't start till like 10.45. Game ended at like one o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. And it was a blowout, too. It was a gross game. So Sunday's games. The Lakers. Memphis is screwed. I was right. I was right. Now I, I jumped the gun a little bit. Now uh, thankfully it was a hypothetical. But I said whoever gets the Lakers, whether it's the Nuggets or the Grizzlies, whoever gets the Lakers out of the play-in is going to be very upset <laughs> because they might lose. So now I might jump the gun with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a much better team than the Grizzlies, and they have Nikola Jokic. But uh, the Grizzlies are, are they're just not about it. They are lost, bro. They are so young. They're not battle-tested. People forget this Lakers team, it's a completely different team now, but you have two guys in LeBron and AD who have won a championship. They, They know what it's about right now. And AD can get all the flack he wants, but he knows what it's about. He knows what it takes, and so does LeBron. So they have their guys ready. You know, they have their guys ready to compete, and I think even though the stats show that the Lakers have been one of the best teams in the NBA since the trade deadline, People still don't believe it. And I think now they do. Because game one, it was back and forth, basically the entire game. Back and forth, Grizzlies would get a lead. Uh, The Lakers, early on, they went up by 10 in like the second quarter. Then the Grizzlies went up by like eight or nine, right? Then it pulled back to within even. They're trading buckets. The lead's changing. Then the Lakers go on a 15-0 run to end the game. Uh, John Morant gets hurt. And now, suddenly, something the Grizzlies do not account for is luck. The Lakers got lucky. Anthony Davis, scary moment, says, I can't feel my right arm. Turns out, thankfully for them and for fans, that it was a, uh, a stinger in his shoulder, which is just basically a pinched nerve in your shoulder. It goes away. It's temporary. But I thought he dislocated his shoulder. You know, and then Woj came out, he said, during halftime. It's a stinger. Andy Davis came back out of the locker room at the half, and he was playing, played well, all good. No worries. John Morant does that thing where he tries to jump a million feet in the air. He loses his legs from underneath him because he gets called for a charge. And to brace his impact, he puts his hands on the ground with an already injured hand and hurts his wrist. He says the pain, post game, he said the game's, the pain is at like a 10. And they asked, Are you worried about your availability for game two? And he said, Yes. <laughs> so, not great if you're a Memphis Grizzly fan, but this is a young team that talks a lot of shit. And they don't really fully seem to understand that it's not always about being the best team, it's about getting hot at the right time and also surviving injuries. Injuries are a part of the game. And it sucks when it happens. Like, It happens. It happens to a lot of people, unfortunately. So you just got to prepare for those kind of things. But even with John Morant, I don't think the Grizzlies win this series. And I said that. Like, the Lakers, they're playing different, man. Uh, Rui Hashimura had 30-plus points in Game 1. Austin Reeves was balling out. I mean, there was a point in the game in the fourth quarter, in a close game, where Austin Reeves took over. He got a high screen from Anthony Davis. Walk into a, a straightaway three. Bang. Gets another pick and roll. Defender on his hip. Gets to the right shoulder. Pull up. Rolls in. Shooter's touch. Bang. Pump fakes in the corner. Drives baseline. Does that behind. This is the, you only learn how to do this by playing Le- 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 LeBron James. I'm, I'm, I am convinced. Pump fakes. Defender in the air. Drives baseline. Defenders collapse on him in the paint. Behind the back. Dime. Right into the shooting pocket for Rui Hashimura. Bangs in a three. Like, insane. Insane game from Austin Reeves and Rui Hashimura. Um, and, and LeBron and AD, I mean, they, they played great as well. But it was really a lot of... The, Reeves and Hashimura, d had a good game, you know. They, they've just... They played really well. All of them played really well. And the Grizzlies, uh, they didn't. <laughs> they 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 did not they did not play that well and or at, towards the end of the game I should say they, they they had a horrible fourth quarter. Lakers blew them out in the fourth quarter, so that was the difference. And I think that's really that's gonna sum sum up the series. I I don't see the Lakers losing this series to the Grizzlies. I really really don't. I have a future in on them as well. I was that confident. I'm like I'm going with the Knicks and the Lakers to win their first round series. Throw a couple bucks on each of them. Go Lakers. And now, I, I thought the Lakers would win this game, this series, with a fully healthy team on both sides. But if John Morant is going to miss one, one game, who knows how many games he misses, right? It, it seems like it's a total question mark right now how, how much this injury is going to affect him. But even if he somehow musters up the, the stomach to try and play through this injury for game two, he's not going to be fully healthy. He's not going to be nearly as effective as he could be it's his I think it's his right hand as well which is his shooting hand not great um my guess is that he's missing game two and then after that question mark who knows but I I would I would assume he's going to miss game two uh the game after that was the heat and the bucks a mess of a game Giannis uh Kevin Love Gets a charge on him, but Giannis gets his leg t- taken out from underneath him. He lands right on his tailbone, right on his back. He goes to the locker room. He comes back, tries to play, not 100%, goes back to the locker room, gets ruled out for the rest of the game. So Giannis out of game one. And then Tyler Hero on a freak play where he just dives for a loose ball. They showed the replay. It didn't even look like anything happened, really, but freak injury. He breaks his right hand. He's out four to six. Months or weeks, 46 weeks. He's out for the playoffs. He's done. I mean, unless the Heat somehow get to like the NBA Finals, he might be back. But no, he's he's cooked. So huge loss for them. I don't know what the status of Giannis is. I would imagine it's maybe just a uh, a tough bone bruise, and it's gonna definitely be uncomfortable him for him. Um, I, I would guess he's gonna try and go out there and and play in Game Two, but. Regardless of that, the Heat pull out a huge win for Game One, and you know we know these teams have playoff history, and Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a different breed of a player. So this series suddenly got really interesting; could be really spicy. And then the third game on Sunday, the Suns and the Clippers, the Suns just looked out of whack. They they looked like they didn't know who was going to shoot the basketball, like. Drawing up plays, whatever it was, they just looked like whoever was starting the play, whether it was Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Durant, whatever, they were like, okay, who's gonna who's gonna shoot? Is it gonna be is it gonna be Booker this this turn? Is it gonna be Durant this turn? Like they just had, they weren't. It didn't look like they were playing a a, a fluid offense. They were very rigid. Very, um, con- it looked like they were concerned about who was shooting next, you know. And then towards the end of the game, the Clippers are banging threes in their face. And, you know, back-to-back possessions, DeAndre Ayton's getting the ball to do, like, layups on on pick and rolls with Kevin Durant. Meanwhile, you, you know, you're trading, it's like three possessions in a row, you're trading a three for a two. The Clippers get a lead. Then at the end of the game, Devin Booker just made a horrific mistake that I know people are clowning him on social media for, where he drives to the basket, Westbrook makes a great play, he blocks him, and Booker thought he got fouled, so he looks at the ref, Play's not over, ball stays in bounds, Westbrook goes for it, throws it off Booker, out of bounds, Clippers ball, and that seals it up. So Westbrook, despite shooting three of 19 in the game, the shot not falling, he played unbelievable defense all night, his motor obviously is what Westbrook is, at an all-time high, he has an endless motor, and he hit two clutch free throws at the end of the game, and then made... Uh, the game-sealing defensive play to block Booker and then throw it off him at a bounce to get the ball back for the Clippers. Game over. Clippers win game one. They steal it. Now, obviously, Paul George has already been ruled out of this series. If Paul George was even lurking to be rumored to show up in this series, to come back in this series, I would be very worried if I was the Suns. Very worried. But because he has already been ruled out for this entire first-round series, I'm still pretty confident that the Suns are going to win. But, oh my God, what an unbelievable effort on both ends from basically everybody on the court for the Clippers. Kawhi had 38, I think, maybe 40 points. Uh, He was balling out offensively. Russell Westbrook, for his shot not falling, contributed in literally every single other way possible. Um, Devin Booker, he made that mistake at the end, but he played an unbelievable game. I saw on StatMuse the only people to have 20-plus points, 4-plus blocks, and 4-plus steals in a playoff game, Booker and Michael Jordan. And usually I don't really like those kind of specific stats, but Booker for 4-plus blocks and 4-plus steals, like he had a great defensive effort. Um, again, it just looked like the offense wasn't really sure what to do. And then like Tory Craig is putting up a bunch of shots, and Tory Craig played great. I don't want to take anything away from him, He was efficient, he hit his shots, uh, he played within himself, but, like, Torrey Craig's getting his number called, you know what I'm saying? Like, that might be a little bit of a problem, and this is a moment where you can kind of look at it, and the Clippers are deep. They got a lot of guys that can play, and that's without Paul George, and the Suns really don't. The Suns were a deep team, and they now they, they traded away Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, who Bridges was a starter. Cam Johnson was a, a heavy role player for them. They're not as deep as they were. They got Kevin Durant. Yeah, they got Kevin Durant, but they're not as deep as they were, and that might be a problem in this series against the Clippers. We'll see how, how it shakes up. Um, but to steal one in Phoenix there for the first game, that was huge. Road teams went 3-0 or 3-1. On Sunday, the Timberwolves got slaughtered by the Nuggets. But uh, road teams won, won three and one on Sunday. Very impressive. Um, so nightcap. I shut this off after the third quarter because it was a, like a thirty point blowout. But the Timberwolves and the Nuggets, the Nuggets are gonna steamroll them. I mean, Jokic fouled out in the third quarter of this game, and they won by thirty. Like <laughs> he didn't he, he didn't really even do anything. You know, he got into foul trouble early, and he stayed there. And like I said, he fouled out in the third quarter and they still won by 30. So that's just that's not good if you're the Timberwolves, they're going to have some real problems. Um, Gobert when the Jokic was on the court, Gobert was in the torture chamber. Just he literally could not do anything against Nikola Jokic. So that that should be a 4-0 sweep. Um, Timberwolves might squeak out one and that's me being nice. Same thing goes for Celtics and Hawks and Sixers and Nets. If the if the the lower seeded teams in those series Can win one game. I'm being nice, and listen. I think the Nets are a solid team. Um, and you know, as much as I I don't like the Hawks, they're a solid team as well. Timberwolves, they're just still young. They don't have. I just don't think they have the right pieces to compete with a team like the Nuggets. Um, bad matchup for them as well. Like against uh, someone else, maybe I'd give them a shot, but against the Nuggets, it's just a bad matchup. And I like the Nets. I like Mikael Bridges. Again, tough matchup. And the Hawks, I think the Hawks, like the Celtics are... We might might be looking at, like the Celtics are... God, I don't want to say it, but they could probably get back to the the finals. So it's just, it's tough. It's tough for those three teams. If they all win one game, that's being nice, like I said. Um, As for other things, Knicks, I'm in on the Knicks. They're going to win. Lakers going to win. I feel good. I would love the, King, the Kings to win, too. Um, yeah. I've, I'm pulling for the Kings to go as as far as possible. I'm a LeBron stance. I'd love to see LeBron win another one. But, oh, my God. I am pulling for Sacramento, man. That city deserves some love. So do the Knicks. Like, the Sacramento Kings and the Knicks, they need to win as much as possible. I'm pulling for both of them. All right. So that's the first weekend of the playoffs. Uh, We'll see. I don't know. We might have, we might have a series that's wrapped up, a series or two that's wrapped up by the next by next week's episode. But for now, that'll do it for this episode from my point of view. Thank you all for listening. Uh, As always, enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend, and go Knicks. This one is from my one and only true love, Princess Peach. Peach, you're so cool And with my star we're gonna rule Peach, understand